0: This week on the Habs' form, the Canadians just keep winning and winning and winning. One of the best stars we remember. It's so fun to be able to talk about it. This team is so fun to watch. We're going to talk about the last two games against Calgary. One and one, so they didn't they didn't win both, but still strong performances in both. And complete domination again against vancouver just this team just seems to have vancouver's number is absolutely crazy uh, of course there's the, the news around victor mete we're going to touch on as jeff petrie a norris candidate i mean he's looking pretty damn good so far this year and got some twitter questions too as always ask us twitter uh, ask us questions at the Havs forum on twitter um most notably talk about what's going on with phil dano i mean is his contract not having a contract really affecting his play. He hasn't not one of the bright spots this year. That's for sure. And uh, finally, some rookie talk, Cole Caulfield in the running for the Hobie Baker. He definitely deserves it. If you ask me and rocket camp is officially underway, but first Dustin, please tell us who our sponsor is. The Habs forum still brought to you by
1: manscape.com. Check out the new lawnmower 3.0 and weed whacker. Both, uh, they've they've sent us both uh, one of each, and uh, loving those two products for sure, and the rest of the products they sent us. Uh, yeah, so check out manscape.com. Use promo code HabsForum to get twenty percent off your purchase and free shipping.
0: Very excited! All right, perfect. So definitely check that out. So let's get into it. Since our last podcast, first game talk about Calgary. 4-2 win from the Canadians. Now, this is very interesting. I think all Habs fans are pretty excited for this because as good as they looked against both Vancouver and Edmonton, since the first game of the season, it was the first game against kind of a different opponent to see if the the team stacks up. Because even though Calgary hasn't looked that great uh, so far this year, if you look at the standings, I mean, I think everyone kind of felt like they could be good. And it it was an interesting matchup. The first game, 4-2, because even though the Canadians won – I think a big part of that win though was David Riddick really did not, did not look very good for Calgary, so I think that played a big part in how that game went, honestly.
1: Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the, the two games against Calgary, it it really came down to the to Calgary's goaltenders. Yeah. I mean, the first game, I mean, Riddick, he was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. It, it it was definitely definitely helped us out for sure, and it was it was definitely good to see the Canadians play in other teams. I mean, you know, they they've been beating up. You know, I mean, Vancouver, they had already beat them a couple of uh, a couple of times. Uh, you know, they beat Edmonton, obviously looked really good against them. So it was good to see them against another team. Calgary, a team that at least on paper, you would think is is better than both Vancouver and Edmonton. But yeah, I mean, you saw it that, uh, you know, that Riddick definitely was not up to par. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Canadians still played really good, though. Uh, like well, I thought, that's, of...
0: the, that's the thing. The, the, the Canadians this year are what's great is that they're they're taking advantage of these situations where maybe a play like a goaltender on another team's not uh, having a great game, and actually, like sometimes I feel like you were games last year, you, after a few shots on on the opposing goaltender, you you feel like oh, he's looking kind of shaky. You know, we got to take advantage of this, but then just would miss opportunities just shoot in the chest of the, and basically we let the goalie get into a groove and end up having a better game. I feel like I, that happened so many times last year, this year they pounce on, on them right away and, and, and they get it done. Right. And like, just like last year, we all oh, we kept talking about how they kept losing against Detroit, couldn't finish against a worse team. Good teams, Win these types of games convincingly. It's it's something that 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 can't be underrated. It's it's important to win these the games you should win and win them convincingly, and that's basically what they did in in that first Calgary game.
1: oh absolutely, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean they lost four times to to Detroit last season, uh, historically bad team, and you know that that was going to be the difference this year. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe the Canadian division is a little bit weaker than some of the other divisions, but. You know, it's it's going to be a race really the whole season with Toronto and well, potentially Winnipeg as well. But we'll, we'll see how they do. But um, yeah, it's I mean, it's going to be a race the whole season. Toronto's obviously doing really good as well, uh, you know, in, in, in maybe a weaker Canadian division. But yeah, I mean, they, they have to win these games that they should. And, and so far they've been able to do that. They've they always seem to come out strong. You know, aside from maybe the second game against Calgary, I thought, but they've regularly come out strong. And you know, they when they were playing a, a weaker goalie like they did, uh, you know, against Edmonton with Koiskin and Nets and and obviously with Riddick and nets as well, they've been able to to pounce on them and and take advantage
0: and and obviously score a boatload of goals. But like the second Calgary game, though, even though the, the, the maybe, I, I would agree that maybe they didn't play that that well, they didn't play that poorly either. And it, re- it was really Markstrom who had a A great great game and that game kind of made me a little bit worried at calgary regardless of where they are in the standings i think that that fourth playoff spot in the in the in the north division is going to be up for grabs until the end of the year i think it's going to be one of the more interesting things uh to to look for because vancouver and edmonton and calgary i think are all going to be in in the running for that spot winnipeg might might actually be kind of four teams going for two spots who who knows who's going to take that last spot i can see any of them take even vancouver because they don't look as bad against everyone else as they do uh, against us, but Calgary, the way Markstrom plays, that looks like the type of goaltender that can, if you face him in the first round of the playoffs, can absolutely steal a series. With no, he's the, a heck the, of the, so. Like I, I'd be, I'd be a little worried if I if we were to face Calgary in the first round. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie.
1: Yeah, no, uh, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean. Yeah, I was really surprised at Mark, that that Vancouver in the first place let go of Markstrom. I mean, you know, Demko has, uh, he, he's had some ups and downs. I mean, he's definitely, you know, a solid prospect. He's still very young. And, you know, obviously their plan was to go with him. And, I mean, Holt B is certainly a, a pretty good uh, number one A, number one B there. Along is he, though?
0: Holtby has fallen off really, really hard. I mean, he, he, I've not been impressed with Holdby at all in the games. I mean, I know it's because Montreal's been exposing Vancouver's defense, but even more than that, Holtby's looks shaky. He's giving rebounds constantly. He can't control his rebounds at all. Like I don't know if we're just spoiled watching Price over the years. He's so great at controlling his rebounds, but just Holdby no control of his rebounds whatsoever? Like, that's a big problem. I think Vancouver would be in a better position today, if, like for sure, if they had Markstrom still on, on that team. No, I, th- I think that's definitely fair. But I mean, I th- I think the their
1: defense more than their goaltending got really exposed against the Canadians. I I mean, I you know obviously both goaltenders, both um, Demko and Holtby struggled. And I don't necessarily think it's because of them. I mean, just take, look at all the breakaways. Like I I can't yeah. remember a team ever giving up that many breakaways on a consistent basis. Like it seems every single game, and it's it's just ridiculous. I don't think it's necessarily goaltending. The d- the defense
0: is just terrible, terrible for Vancouver. But- I honestly think part of it is bad coaching because they haven't performed that poorly against the other teams. It's really against the Canadians, and it seems like Claude Julien has like really pinpointed what you need to do against Vancouver's team, specifically Vancouver's defense. Like You could look at a guy like Quinn Hughes. They've made him look like a fool defensively throughout the, the, the four games against them. And it, it, the, the the Canucks, they haven't adapted at, at all. They just kind of – it keeps being the same thing and the turnovers and all. It, it, it's kind of shocking to see, but it's like the Canadians have figured out how to beat them, and it's just constant heavy pressure. And the, that's the thing. The Canadians have those four four lines going, right? And they basically have equal ice time throughout the game. Even the fourth line oftentimes ends up playing a lot of the game, especially on the PK. Uh, you have and carrying the that unit. So what happens when, with that is that you can – then play a style of game where you have constant pressure on the opponent, and you're not you're not tired, right? You can keep it up throughout the game because all the players have, haven't played that many minutes, and just that constant pressure clearly was affecting Vancouver. And there's been in no way did they adapt at no point. It's just it's just crazy to me. Like all that you need to know how to beat Vancouver, just watch those Habs games, then copy the Habs strategy, and you'll beat them. It's it's that simple.
1: Yeah, it seems like every game against Vancouver pretty much plays out the ex- <laughs> the exact same way. Yeah. You know, Canadians get off to get off to a, a quick start, and you know they're able to, you know, I mean both both the last two games against Vancouver, Canadians scored the first two goals. Vancouver came back with one that maybe wasn't the greatest goal, whereas and it seems to think that you know it seems to look like maybe they're going to come back, and then Montreal
0: just turns it on again. Well, and, the, you know, the thing with yesterday's game. It, Vancouver, I thought, actually sh- started the game pretty strong. Like they looked like they were ready to, to play and they wanted to, kind of like, you know, like avenge their poor performance from uh, from the night before. But the the eventually the Canadians were just like, nah, no, 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 this is not how this is gonna go. We're winning this, and they just kind of took over. It, it's it just showed you that even though Vancouver came in like ready to, they definitely were ready to to go for yesterday's game. The Canadians are just a better team. They they just can't keep up with them.
1: No, I, I mean, it's going to be tough to keep up with the Canadians. Like you said, I mean, having four trios that they can really play basically even minutes, it lets them have that much more energy. And 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 I mean, like you said, it's just constant forecheck. They're always on the defenseman of the other team. And I mean, you know, the, the, it's just they're always going 110%. And that's that's what, you know, the, the huge advantage here of having such depth with the Canadians. I mean, you know, Joel jo- Armia, who was getting off to a pretty good season. I mean, just got off a career game. He got injured and now, you know, he's maybe getting back to, to a return soon. I mean, I think the last two days he's been, he he's been on the ice and no idea if he's even going to be in the lineup anymore. (laughs) You know, with the way
0: Corey Perry has been playing and the way everyone's been playing, like, yeah, it, it, that's the thing. It's like we haven't even missed him despite how how, uh, how well he was playing. I still think he gets back in the lineup. Maybe we have a similar situation with some of the forwards as as they're doing with the defensemen because you, you, you don't want people sitting for too long if they haven't had really a... Like, you hate to see it when a player gets injured and then to, for him to lose his spot when he's playing so well. Right, He hasn't deserved to lose his spot, so he deserves to kind of have the ice time back. And I think that, that it's important to manage that correctly as, as the coach to you want you do want to keep your players happy keeps the locker room happy and all that you want to keep that group going and i i, I love how they handled it actually with kulak i mean if you watch the the rds broadcast uh, Magdeni interviewed him the, the day after he was scratched and a uh, kulak said that Claude claudia came up to him explained the situation said it had nothing to do with the way you played uh we just kind of want to have a rotation of players coming in and you know give, give Mete a game And you could tell that Kulak really appreciated that. And he basically said that at times it's happened where maybe on previous teams or even maybe previously with the Canadians, you show up to the ice one day and all of a sudden you're not in the starting lineup. No one's told you anything. You don't know why. And that can really hurt team morale, right? So the way that they're handling it right now, I absolutely love it. And you have to keep it up because clearly this is a happy locker room. They're obviously going to go through a bad stretch eventually, but – you want to keep that morale high because it has a huge impact on how they perform. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah, you definitely want to keep that morale uh, the morale high. You want to keep, you know, as much chemistry going as possible, which yeah, I mean the the Canadians all the lines, even the defensive pairings, they seem to have a lot of chemistry right now and, and yeah, like you said, I mean there it's it's a happy room right now and and obviously as, as long as they keep on winning, it's it's probably going to stay pretty happy, but Yeah. I mean, uh, the reason they went out and got all this depth was because of obviously the, the, you know, the shortened season that it's in, they're playing a lot of games in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, you know, there's, you, you got to figure there would be injuries, which we haven't seen so far. So, you know, they're, they're going to have to have that rotation, but I mean, definitely at some point there are going to be some injuries and, you know, everybody's going to get their chance and everybody's, you know, every everybody will get their chance to step up at some point.
0: And that, what I really, really, really loved about yesterday's game is when you look at the scoreline and you see Anderson with two goals and then Toffoli with two goals and then, let's not forget, Jake Allen had a really, really strong game. They, he kept them away in those big um, big moments. Edmondson played really strong. He he was on the ice at the end of the game to close it out. What all these players have in common is that they were brought in in this offseason. It was a game, a win that was 100% signed by the new acquisitions by uh, by Bergeron in this offseason. Every single main contributor for that game was is new. I mean, that's just amazing to see that type of change that was made for this team. And, and we've talked about this before, but Bergevin is almost a shoo-in for GM of the year at this point. Well, that's what uh, Eric Engels was saying today. I mean,
1: what, what disastrous event yeah. would have to happen for Bergevin not to win the GM of the year at this point? I mean... Every single move has paid off in dividend, like a crazy amount so far. I mean, Toffoli, he's you know he's he's got the most goals in the uh, in the NHL right now. He's uh, t- I think he's yeah. in points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Anderson, big game last night, six goals so far this season. I mean, and look at Domi right now. I mean, uh, he's it's, it's been a disaster so far yeah. for Columbus. Uh, Edmondson, I mean, he got obviously the You know, we all we all know how. He struggled in that first game against Toronto. Uh, I, I mean, he's plus. I think like plus tw- at least twelve. Yeah, I think he's even more at this point. I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's leading the NHL right now in plus minus. Uh, Jake Allen's been amazing. The one he's the one game that he lost, they lost one zero.
0: Yeah, know, I honestly I, think Jake Allen's impact hasn't been talked enough about enough. It, a lot of those games that Jake Allen played, if you had the goaltending we had last year, we we maybe lose those games. He's been fantastic. He arguably has played better than Price so far this year. I mean, we know Price sometimes has slow starts. I'm not worried. I'm not trying to create a goalie controversy, but... Allen has been super consistent so far and I mean even if there's moments where he maybe looks a little bit more shaky he always kind of gets back into it and the thing is it improves how the team plays in front of him it's so great to have such a reliable backup for 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 the Canadians now I'm I'm, I'm getting worried that that, uh, that Seattle will take him away from us cuz I hope we keep him with with that contract I mean it, it's it's just to not be worried when your backup is in that is such a luxury and we learned this in, as Habs fans in the last four or five years however long we were with the, without a good backup
1: yeah it's i mean it's 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 definitely been been huge i mean and first of all he's already played 40% of the game so far yeah. so i mean right there and i mean like you said the, the he's he's always keeping the team in the games uh i mean i thought i thought last night when vancouver t- uh, they didn't tie it up they they made it 2 to 1 and they near very nearly tied it up like a minute later if they would have scored and jake Allen made a huge save if they would have scored right there it would have been a completely different game. Of course, like yeah, if they would, you know, if they would have tied it up two-two, scoring two goals to tie it up in in like you know a span of a minute, uh, you know, who knows if the Canadians would have stayed in that game and won it, but you know he kept them kept the score at two-one until the Canadians did get their legs back under them and and were able to take control of that game. But yeah, he he's definitely been huge. He's made a lot
0: of big saves for the Canadians, and I mean you you can't ask for more. Exactly, it's exactly what you want from a backup. I and mean, like we talked about it before, we obviously don't want Carey Price going down. But if he was to go down, uh, maybe for a minor injury for a few weeks, I wouldn't be too worried. I don't think it would derail the season like we've seen in the past. And uh, like another great example too is how we, the, the 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 game that Allen played uh, most recently, or not the most recent, the one before, uh, I forget which one it was. Anyways, Price basically apparently had minor discomfort, and it's one of the maybe one of the reasons why Allen maybe came in a bit quicker than uh, after the the previous game. But in previous years, the team wouldn't do that. They wouldn't trust their backup. So maybe Price, even if he's not 100%, would still want to come in. I wouldn't even be surprised if a guy like Harry Price, if he doesn't trust his backup, maybe is not being 100% honest about maybe he has some discomfort, but he doesn't want to miss a game because he know how much it can impact the team and all that. But now to have from top to bottom trust in your backup, it means that Price can take the rest he needs to take. And it means that come playoff time, He'll be ready to go, and we saw what arrested Price could do in the playoffs in the in the previous playoffs. And it, it's an absolute game changer. It's, it's 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 absolutely huge. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, it was a game on Saturday
1: against Calgary where he played. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise, like you said. Yeah. I mean, Price uh, was feeling some discomfort. I kind of thought in in the well, the last game Price played, uh, the first game against Vancouver, I thought he didn't look a hunt. I don't know, something seemed wrong. I mean I don't know if uh I don't know if maybe he was just off or or if he is maybe dealing with something uh anyway we'll see moving forward we'll see uh hopefully he's going to be good to go tomorrow against Ottawa but I don't know I don't know. I, I mean I hope I hope I'm wrong but it kind
0: of seems like maybe Price is dealing with uh with a little something that's nagging Anyways, if he is dealing with an injury, I I just hope he he plays it smart and just kind of takes the time he needs to take, because obviously it's it's not a worry. I mean, Allen could just step in, play as many games as as he needs to for 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 Price to to get healthy, but... You mentioned uh, Joel Edmondson just before too, and how you know, we were talking about how good he's done. So for, I, uh, he is leading the league in plus mine. I actually Jeff Petrie's number two, so they're they're one and two. So uh, I, as much as it's not a stat that I that I love, I I, I mean it. When, when you're at the top end that much, I mean it does mean something. Uh, but what I've really what has surprised me in the last few games, Edmondson's game, is even more because of course he's a big body uh, in the defensive zone. He kind of win, wins his battles in the corners and all that. But even in the offensive zone, he, how he keeps the puck in the zone and he doesn't do anything too flashy but he does a really good job of just getting the puck on net if he gets it at the blue line and then letting the play kind of continue the, the play doesn't die on his stick like you so often see with these types of defensemen he will still kind of find the shooting lane he's not going to constantly get his shot blocked or anything like that he'll just take his time and just put it on net and then you never know what can happen right he's gotten a couple of assists this way too with uh f- from rebounds and stuff like that so I, i've really enjoyed the way he's been playing I mean, he's been perfect like since, since the first game. I mean uh, and for
1: whatever reason he I mean it's, it seems to have died down some now over the last couple of games but he still you know seems to get some hate online from abs fans but I don't see it. Uh, I mean he I, I don't know how you could ask for more from him. I mean obviously he's not he's not a guy that's going to put up a lot of points. He's not a flashy guy. No, but like you not. just said I mean he you know he's he's not sexy. He does you know he does what he needs to do. He knows He knows what he does and he plays within, you know, basically within his limits. And I mean, you know, obviously so far him and Jeff Petrie have, have complimented each other extremely well, you know, him playing his more defensive kind of play it, it, you know, lets Jeff Petrie maybe be a little bit more offensive. And I mean, it's, I mean, you couldn't ask for more from that pairing. Like you said, they're both leading the NHL right now in plus minus. So
0: I mean, to your point, it allows Jeff Petrie to be more offensive. I mean, has it ever he has 13 points in 10 games he he's having a monstrous beginning to the season I'm, I'm sure that plays a big part of that plays into the fact that he's he's playing with Edmonton and that, that is a, a step up from from Kulak I mean people the Kulak and Petrie uh, pairing over the years has been absolutely loved by the advanced analytics community they always show up on, on those stats and all that and I mean, Kulak has been fine in his moments and all that, but a big part of that is just how good Jeff Petrie is. I I really think at this point he somehow is still underrated in the NHL, and and now there's starting to be some buzz online uh, on Twitter and all that about how he's having a Norris-level season so far, and he absolutely is, and it's not just because he's producing offensively. Because I will admit, it it does annoy me that it seems like the offensive stats is what counts the most when it comes to the Norris trophy, when defense should also obviously be considered. But he's phenomenal on both sides of the ice, and he's just... He he's definitely at this point the best defenseman on the on, on the team. I think he su- he surpassed uh, Weber and he he's a true number one defenseman. He's absolutely fantastic out there.
1: Absolutely, I mean he's like he said. I mean he when he played with Kulak, he was great. He's any he, and every person he's played with, he's he's been fantastic with. I mean I think probably Victor Mete's best moments with the Canadians were beside Jeff Petrie. So I mean no matter who he's out there playing with, he's. you know, it's, it's a fantastic pairing. And I mean, he's been underrated since he got here with the Canadians. And I mean, it's it's like, I, I'm really, I mean, okay, he's, he's put up a little bit more points than I was, than I would think than I would have thought, but I'm really not that surprised to see him playing this well. I mean, he, he did it in the playoffs last season. He was fantastic. When, when Shea Weber was down the last, last season. And, uh, you know, uh, whenever he was injured before that, he's stepped up and he's been fantastic. So I'm really not surprised whatsoever by Jeff Petrie. I mean, he, and the thing is, you know, he's getting, obviously he's getting a little bit older now. I think he's maybe, but he's getting better.
0: He gets better with age.
1: Exactly. You think he'd, he'd be slowing down, you know, especially the way that he plays. But I mean, he just he he just keeps getting better and better every single year and uh no I'm, I'm not at all surprised and absolutely he definitely deserves some serious norris consideration right now and like you said yeah absolutely you know i mean uh, it, it is kind of unfortunate what it is at this point the norris trophy it's, it seems more about offense than than defense i actually kind of think they should have two separate awards one for yeah. offensive defenseman one for defensive but uh, regardless i mean jeff petrie he's obviously putting up the points and he's doing a great job defensively too so he uh, he he's definitely should be a consider consideration
0: at this point I mean, I mean there there's no question at this point whether or not he he can kind of keep it up over over the full season but I'm just happy to they're kind of the rest of the, the, the what I love about him putting up points like he is it that it, it shows to the rest of the league maybe the fans that underrate him being like see this is what Jeff Petrie can do and it's still still blows every time I talk about Jeff Petrie I can't help but think back that we, how did we get Jeff Petrie from Edmonton for what we got him from when he's exactly what Edmonton has needed for years? Edmonton's trajectory for the last five, six or so years could be completely different if they held on to Jeff Petrie. It's absolutely, it's baffling. If I was an Edmonton fan, watching Jeff Petrie play would absolutely drive me crazy. Uh, yeah, that's true, man. I mean, uh, definitely they, they, (laughs) that exact,
1: that is exactly what they need, especially a right-handed defenseman. I mean, that would be huge for them. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, another stroke of genius by Jeff, uh, by, uh, um, by Bergen, obviously, I mean, getting him for, if I'm not mistaken, it was a second and a fifth round pick. And I mean, the contract too, like, I mean, you know, just re-signed him. I mean, what a just even that. Obviously, not a new addition to the Canadians, but just the contract that we re-signed Jeff Petrie to is is an absolute steal. And even I thought it was a steal before seeing him this season, and now it's it's just a ridiculous steal
0: at this point. And and to stick with the defense and the big news now, I mean, it, it's the whole Mete situation uh, and whether or not he. It's a little weird because his agent. Cause Pierre LeBron quoted his agent in the tweet saying that he, he asked for a trade and it's not like LeBron is one to make things up, right? Like I, I believe that he got that from the agent, but then Bergevin denies that he got a trade request. And then the next day, all of a sudden Mete's in the lineup. So, I mean, is, is Bergman just lying or is the agent just kind of playing a little bit of a, of a game here using the media to get what his player wants? I don't know what it is, but Mete's played a couple games now and, uh, I I mean he's definitely trying hard and doing his he's trying too hard I think is what it is he looks like a player who has something to prove he still has the mobility still really quick on the ice and all that but man he hasn't looked very good if you ask me
1: no not really um you know I I guess it is kind of to be expected at the same at the same time I mean you know he hasn't played in uh, in what I mean ten maybe 10 yeah probably at least 10 months at this point so i mean you know you, you kind of have to take that with a, a grain of salt i guess but
0: of course of course
1: yeah he he. yeah and and i think that's a pretty good point that he does seem to be trying a little bit too hard yeah. Um, you know he's sort of all over the place and and sometimes just quite frankly he's out of position Um, uh, he hasn't been that good um, that that's for sure he is very obviously the seventh best defenseman on the canadians yeah um, so he should be playing. He shouldn't be playing that often. I definitely much rather much rather have Kulak and Romanov out there. Um, but I mean, you know, you want to get him in there every once in a while. You know, you don't want him be, uh, to to sit too um, you know too, too often. Because I mean, it, obviously at some point there's going to be an injury or something's yeah. going to happen and he's going to have to step in there. But I, I mean, I really don't think he's going to be moved. I mean, it, he's the perfect seventh defenseman. He can play on both sides. He's a great puck moving defenseman.
0: Um, He's very cheap. Uh, he's making very cool. That, that, stuff that's the, the thing. The like if the Canadians were to move Mete, they would need basically exactly what Mete provides in a return. I, like I don't see how that could possibly work. Uh, for 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 the Canadians. I mean, they're up at the cap, they can't afford to take on more money. They still need a seventh defenseman on the team and Mete gets gets the job done. Now, I I'm definitely fine with him getting some playing time like we talked about before. It is important on some level to keep your players happy. He's been a, an everyday player for a few seasons now, so it can't be easy for him to be sitting in the press box every night. Get him some games. I'm totally fine with it. And some fans are freaking out about Romanov sitting. Romanov is a rookie. He's been great. Yeah, has made some mistakes. He he's gotten beat on defense a few times. It's totally fine for Romanov to sit a few games here and there. It's it's not gonna kill his confidence or anything like that. I mean, it's it's gonna happen. It's it's fine. It's part of the progression for the team, and it's a luxury we have with the 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 kind of like five six seven defensemen that we have. Because you can slot one in for one game to give the other guy a rest, maybe get some extra practice in instead and all that. It's really nothing to stress out about. No, absolutely not. I mean, for he he was never going to play
1: all 56 games. I mean, exactly. you know, it, it's going to happen. He's going have to have to have to sit every once in a while. He obviously got off to an amazing start. Like you said, he's made a couple of mistakes the last couple of games. So not the end of the world. I don't think it's going to hurt his confidence. He definitely doesn't seem to have any confidence issues. No. So I'm I'm definitely not too worried about that. Um, and yeah, it's it's gonna happen. You have to have Mete play every once in a while. Uh, you're not gonna take Kulak out all the time either. You no, know, Kulak sat out a game. Romanov sitting out a game, and I'm assuming Mete is gonna be
0: back in the press box uh, tomorrow. Now, I'm, do you think they're gonna try and do really a every other game situation, or is Mete gonna be in the press box now for for a couple games?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I think Mete is going to sit a good portion of the games. you know, I think he'll probably, you know, he'll be, he'll be back in maybe in a couple of games, but, uh, no, I don't think it's going to be, uh, a real rotation. You know, I think Kulak and and Romanov, barring any injuries are going to be there for the next couple of games for sure.
0: I I would think so too, but some, some of the, what, 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 what said kind of pointed to the fact that they were going to be more a bit more of a of a rotation i i, I guess we'll see but I, I wouldn't want to like someone like kulak too and I, like he since i i know like he he said the whole thing about like, he was talked to why he was not in the lineup and all that and he understood and all that but you understand to a certain level right if, he, if he, he's a veteran player he's earned his spot to a certain point if he keeps getting put in the press box for seemingly no real reason eventually it might kind of get under their skin i just i just hope that Mete is not not gonna be too much of an issue. I mean, he's not an idiot. He must have seen how he played, and the, like you know, he must know that he hasn't had great games the two games he played. And maybe he's if he's saying that it's because like he he needs more ice time. And but it's like you have to be able to keep yourself ready. I mean, if if you're gonna have a career in the NHL to someone like Victor Mete, it, you have to be one of those players that's able to step in after a few games off. Because I just don't think realistically he's gonna be an everyday NHLer, really. You know, so. Uh, I, no, I just okay. hope the situation's okay, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I don't think it'll be, uh, it'll be too much of an issue. I mean, you know, it's he's a young guy that hasn't really proved to be an everyday NHLer. I mean, he's he's a solid defenseman. He would be in the top six probably for, you know, at least a handful of teams. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. He's gonna have to, you know, stay stay ready, like you said, and he he's gonna get his chance. For sure, um, you know I don't think he's gonna sit eight games again. I think he'll probably be in the press box for that for at least a week. You know he'll he'll be sitting probably for the next three, four, five games, but he'll he'll get his uh, his next chance, and you know he, he'll have to play a little bit better next time. I think.
0: And the, aside from that, the fourth line is what has been almost the most like and we knew we had a strong fourth line but it's been kind of dominant out there and Lekinen specifically I've absolutely loved this year and I I really feel like he doesn't necessarily get enough of love like he he did score a really nice goal the other day but just his play on the peak I saw uh I think it was NHL Network uh, they, they during the intermission they did a whole package and a highlight reel of everything Lekkinen has done on the PK and just the pressure he puts on the other team and all that. I've been so impressed with Lekkinen's performance on the PK. Like, am I just forgetting? I feel like he wasn't this good on the PK the last He was good, but this year he's just constant pressure on them nonstop, and it must drive players crazy on the other team. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think he's always been like this. I mean, I he not so to this level though. Not to this level. I mean, it, it's a big reason why we're scoring so many shorthanded goals.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Maybe he has stepped it up a, a little bit, but he's always been, I mean, that's always been his bread and butter playing defensively being amazing on the PK. He's, you know, he's been a staple of the PK for the Canadians for the last couple of seasons. And, you know, he's been a big part of the of, you know, the successful PK that we've had. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's much of a surprise. He's a guy that for whatever reason, constantly gets hated uh, a lot of the time on Habs Twitter Because, you know, maybe I think his first season he scored, what, 17 or 18 goals and he's never been able to really, you know, I think there was a lot of hype for him at first that he was going to be a a solid goal scorer. And obviously that hasn't panned out, but he is a really valuable player to the Canadians. And, you know, if if the Canadians were ever looking to trade him or, you know, whatever, uh, I mean, he's definitely a guy that could very easily get picked up by Seattle.
0: I just think with Fleckenen, it's a situation, like you said, he scored 19 goals in his first season. Uh, so so it kind of set expectations too high. And maybe even for the team wasn't necessarily using him correctly. Now that he's kind of, I feel like the team, and he has figured out his, his role in the NHL, and now that we can kind of accept that he's not maybe a, a going to be a prolific goal scorer, but for what he does, he's absolutely fantastic. And... and he, your point about losing him to the to, to Seattle is, is is valid. I mean it's weird there's no who would you want there's no one I would want to lose to to Seattle. I mean when the last uh expansion draft came along, there was a few players I was like, I ah, get that contract off the books and all that. I mean I guess Byron would be the one guy, but I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening I'm, I'm, I don't want to lose anyone on this team at, at this point honestly.
1: I know it's, it seems like the perfect team right now. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, (laughs) I think Seattle's going to have a lot of options when it comes to picking a player off the Canadians roster, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to see Leckon and go, um, you know, potentially Armia would be a guy that they'd be looking at, you know, maybe the maybe one of the defensemen like, uh, you know, Sherrod or Edmondson Yeah, certainly goalie is going to be, uh, you know, what, what they're going to be looking at as well. Jake Allen maybe maybe carry price who knows
0: i mean it all depends but, on what the other teams make available
1: basically yeah. right it, it's going to be interesting though i mean who knows i mean jake allen i mean obviously you know i love carry price we all love carry price but do they expose carry price who knows you know i mean the, the canadians are going to have a lot of salary cap gymnastics to do moving forward yeah. do you maybe want to roll with jake allen and Caden Primo? Who i knows?
0: mean that, that 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 that's interesting uh uh, it's, uh Maybe a little controversial, but I mean, the, yep. the, the, the that $10.5 $10. <laughs> million contract is, is not going to be easy to... And there is an argument to be said, as much as I love Carey Price, that is it's it's more and more difficult to build a contender while putting so much money into your goaltenders. Now, the Canadians can get away with it this year because some of their top-end guys in Suzuki and Kikinemi, uh and Romanov are on still their entry-level contracts. So it kind of helps swallow that you know the, the 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 goalie contract but once you get to the point where you have to pay those players and plus you're still playing paying price 10 million you're still paying Shea Weber uh whatever it is like eight million or something along those lines then it becomes a lot more difficult to juggle that cap and that's why you see a lot of teams end up falling off like a team like Chicago they they had those kind of the they, they they were the one of the best team in the league for for a few years one I think it was three cups and then you end up paying all those players and all that, and then you can't build a team around them. So it, it's really important to, to to juggle that salary cap uh, correctly when you start paying those young guys.
1: Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of gymnastics to do for sure. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough. I mean, you know, it will obviously we'll we'll have to talk more about that at the end of the season. See how uh, sure. how a lot of these players do in that. Uh, you know, if if some of these re signings happen, um, you know, like like uh, Tatar and and Dano. Yeah, we'll we'll see at that point, but uh, you know that that might very well be an option. You know, Carey Price could uh, could maybe be exposed, but but anyway, we'll see how he does uh, the rest of the season and how yeah, the Canadians we, do the rest of the season.
0: We can enjoy how great this season has been before we worry about uh, the the expansion draft. But I mean, you just mentioned Danu. I mean, I think uh Danu's maybe been the one. I think he 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 should be the most grateful of how well the Canadians are doing because if the Canadians were struggling. I think we'd be hearing a lot more about how much Dano is struggling. And if, if I'm not mistaken, one of our Twitter questions is about Dano today. Yep. so uh, so one of the Twitter uh, – well, yeah, sort of a, a Twitter question that
1: we got here was from uh, one of our friends of the podcast, Etienne Ferlin. Uh, just give me a second here. I should, probably should have had that ready here. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Etienne Farlin at Etienne Ferlin on Twitter, uh, my prediction was that Suzuki would be 1C by the end of the season. Well, it's pretty clear he already is, obviously. Yep. But what is going on with Deneau? He's not himself. Is his contract situation a distraction? I think so. Um, so I was trying to think before uh, we really started recording. Is there any guy on the Canadians right now that's been a disappointment this season? And I mean, really outside of Dan O is, is really, I think has to be the guy that comes to mind, maybe the only guy really that comes to yeah. mind. Um, I think, you know, so, so it was, uh, it was reported of course that he turned down, uh, I believe it was a 30 million over six years. So $5 million yeah. contract. a year. I mean, I, right now he has, I, is it three points, three or four points, I think in 10 games. Yeah. It's- uh, I feel that every game he's costing himself.
0: A little bit of money right now. He, he definitely is. And it's not just his performance. Is Even if he was doing a bit better, everyone else's performance around him is kind of making him, like I don't want to say expandable. I mean, I think he's still very valuable to the team. We were just talking about the cap. At some point, you do have to make sacrifices. I mean, offensively, I don't think he's needed really on this team at this point. I think a big reason why he was able to produce offensively is because – he was his line was relied upon for offense. What while now Dan was not the one going out there. If we need a the, the center going on there for offense, is going to be Nick Suzuki. I mean, Kakenyemi is already if, if if he hasn't already surpassed him offensively, he's almost there. And then even on the PK, though, we were just talking about how how fantastic Lekkinen's been on the PK. Uh, Jake Evans has been great, Tyler Tofoli has been fantastic on the on the penalty kill uh, losing dano wouldn't even affect the pk that much which is where he's at his strongest i mean obviously his presence at the faceoff circle is very valuable i mean not saying there wouldn't be a hole in this organization if if they lost dano but it wouldn't be a hole that would be that hard to to fill honestly and i don't know if it makes a lot of sense to give five six millions million dollars a year to to dano for when you look at all the other players we have to sign moving forward yeah, definitely. I mean, I I definitely can't see him getting you know more than
1: five million at this point. No. I mean, I you know I think not that was going to be the biggest contract. No, he, he probably will get it somewhere else. Yeah, but I mean, definitely he he's he he's not doing himself any favors right now. Is he is he a distraction? I don't I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's enough leaders in the, in the room that um, you know some something like this. You know, same thing with Mete. I don't think it there's going to be a distraction like that. Um, I don't necessarily think he's he's Distracted himself uh, At least at this point um, But yeah I mean I, I, I just think he's not necessarily Getting the same opportunities that he was Previously you know he's not being You know right that, now
0: That might be what the, the distraction or the frustration is coming for him Right because he's in his contract Season and all of a sudden And it's not like the, the Canadians Are doing this on purpose It's just the timing was in a, If you're just looking at his personal contract And, and his p- potential earning The the timing of the 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 Habs' depth at center has kind of been bad for him, right? Because now they don't need him offensively not so he's not going to put up the same amount of offensive numbers in his contract year. You we usually see players have career years in their contract years, so he probably he definitely probably wants to produce more, but he's not getting those opportunities. So when he is on the ice, maybe he's he's overthinking it. And there was a moment yesterday where I think it was. Uh, Tatar was definitely he was looking for Daniel. like the he is liked in the locker room, and the players on the team want to help him get get going. But it's just not looking good. And the, he like I said, he's he's lucky the team's doing so good because I think he'd be hearing a bit more from the media and all that if it wasn't because at this point, it doesn't matter that the is struggling. even when he's struggling, he's still good at the faceoff circle. He's still reliable defensively. So it's not like he costs the team anything, and we don't need his offense right now. But like you're saying, He's costing himself a lot of money.
1: No, exactly. Yeah, I I don't think he's playing bad. He's just, you know, not putting, obviously not putting up the points that, that you would hope to see from him, but like even on the PK, you know, where he was, you know, probably the last couple of seasons, the best. Penalty killing forward—that's certainly not the case right now. Uh, yeah. we've seen what Leckie can do. Jake Evans has been absolutely ridiculous. A huge revelation for the Canadians. Yeah. Big surprise. And like you said, even guys like Tyler Toffoli, Nick Suzuki has been great on the PK when he's yeah. when he's there. Uh, same thing with um, uh, Toffoli to as well. I mean, or Byron is the guy that I wanted. The other guy I wanted to mention. I mean, you know, may- he's one of the tops. Maybe he might be the sixth best penalty killing forward. I mean, maybe not, but I mean, like the the other five guys are definitely doing a great job as well. So it's not like we're relying on him as heavily, you know, obviously not offensively, but even, you know, defensively, even even less so now. And, you know, I think Gallagher has played, uh, you know, he's we've seen him a little bit more offensively the last couple of games. But Tatar has been super quiet as well. And so I think just that
0: line as a whole has been a little a little quiet. And that you're going to see that sometimes, I think, some uh, as far as Tatar and Gallagher go. The, the the luxury that the Canadians have now is that they don't need every line. It, they're not relying on one line for offense every night, right? A different line could be the line producing uh, every night. And I I feel like Tatar and Gallagher, even though maybe they haven't been putting up as much points the last few games, you still notice them, right? You still there's still opportunities, there's still shots being being taken. I mean Gallagher, you always see him. I can't really think of a game. I mean Gallagher had a hard game yesterday, first of all, because I think he got hit by by a shot from his own team twice. Yeah, two shots. Yeah, one. one <laughs> I mean, Weber. First of all, <laughs> exactly. And we know his history of being hit by shots by, from Weber, right? So, I mean, that can't, can't really hold it against him for, for yesterday's uh, game. But with is it's you don't notice him as much, right? If anything, maybe sometimes trying to do too much. And and like I said, is even if he was producing at the same level as he has in the last few years, the thing is, is that with the way everyone else is is, is, is developing around him, his skill set is just not as needed as it used to be. So he he really can't be too greedy with that contract, or else uh, I mean I think Bergeron's gonna have to move on if he is.
1: Yeah, I mean you know I, you're not gonna break the bank for him. You no, know, uh, it's it's gonna be tough to see him go, but but again I think at the end of the day it, it's gonna get done, but. He's definitely not doing himself any any favors right now, and he, you know he's he's losing money basically every every game at this point. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, he, he could definitely turn it around though. I'm not, that, I'm not uh, too worried de-
0: about it. definitely. I mean, we might get a stretch where all of a sudden th- that line is 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 the best line on the team for 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 a few games. And you, we've seen it also time and time again, whether it's hockey or any other sport. Sometimes players just go through a bad stretch, and you just need that one goal, and then monkeys off your back and then you, you can kind of get on a roll after that you know so i mean it's still very early in the season so we'll see if he does kind of find his groove in time for the playoffs and this team gets even more dangerous i mean that, that that'll be yeah, we wish him we, we want him to do that, that that'd that be fantastic um but so, but then let's talk, talk about the games coming up here so as as great as the the record is for the canadians right now Uh, And people will love to talk about how the Canadian division isn't that strong. And of of course, people always want to give reasons, excuses as to why the Canadians are doing well, because everyone loves to hate the Canadians. They haven't even played the worst team in the division yet. (laughs) So back to back (laughs) games against Ottawa coming up. Isn't part of you kind of ready for them to lose a game game against Ottawa? Yeah,
1: that's what I was just going to say. Like, it, it just feels like the perfect trap game. Yeah. Like, you know, hope, hopefully it doesn't happen. And I, I mean, that's not the Canadians that we've seen so far this year. For sure. You know, I mean, they have to lose players. some games, right? They're not yeah. going to win them oh, all. Oh yeah, yet. of
0: course. And I mean,
1: Ottawa has to win a game at some point. Exactly. So, exactly. You know,
0: but, I wonder uh, if how they performed against Detroit will help them, because you got to think the players that were there last year, it's, it's 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 in the back of their mind. I wouldn't be surprised if they get questions from 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 the media and all that, being like, okay, sure, you're playing against Ottawa. But just last year, you lost all four games against what was the worst team in your division at that point in Detroit. So it's uh, – maybe not the division, but anyways, you know what I mean. Like it's it's – <laughs> you'd hope that they're ready to go regardless. But at the same time, it can be difficult when, when it's Ottawa on the other side who have been absolutely atrocious so far this year. I mean they've made teams that we have made look bad look good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they've been really bad, like all over the place. I mean, they, just look at their defense.
1: Like uh, the goaltending hasn't been great bad. Yeah, well, I'm really not surprised about that. I I never really. Yeah, you never, never liked like, Matt Murray, right? Uh, and man, like you know, he was always pr- pretty protected against you know in front of. Uh, or behind a, a a really good Pittsburgh team, you know, where yeah. he won two cups, but no, I knew he was going to get lit up when he, when he got to Ottawa and that's he's, he's put up terrible numbers, yeah. but yeah, I mean, hopefully the Canadians, you know, tomorrow can get off to a good start. You know, they jump out and, you know, hopefully they don't play like they did uh, when they lost against Calgary, when I thought they got off to a bad start and, you know, we well, they ran into a hot goalie. I don't think that's going to be an issue against Matt Murray. But, yeah. I actually obsessed. think
0: if they lose one of the two, actually, I think it's going to be Saturday's game, not tomorrow's game. I think tomorrow they'll play, well, but Saturday's a 1 p.m. game on top of it. And we we, 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 we see it. We see those 1 p.m. games sometimes have weird results and players that aren't used to play at that time aren't ready to go necessarily. And even, like, let's say they blow them out tomorrow, then next game, they're not expecting much. they kind of, they're they're like whatever what is this 1 p.m game that that's the type of game i could definitely see them lose uh, like but regardless whichever they're losing only one there's no way they're not they're not they're not uh but i mean i knew they win both because after that then i'm getting excited to play the leafs because i i want to see this team play against what's supposed to be the other best team in the division and after those two ottawa games three of the next four games against uh against the leafs i can't wait to see those matchups
1: Definitely. I mean it's gonna be a big test. I mean, you know, the the Canadians lost the first game of the season against Toronto, even though I I think they play they outplayed Toronto. I mean it was you know, both teams played very good, but I think they should have won that game. Uh, but no, that's going to be a good test, you know, I mean, because, yes, they, there has been a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, the Canadians are only, you know, first in the league right now and scoring this many goals because they're playing in a really weak division against and they've really only played the bad teams. You know, we've beat up on Edmonton. We've beat up on Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, it's man, three games in four, you know, against uh, or well, three out of four games against Toronto. It's, it's going to be interesting. You know, well,
0: the thing is, and Edmonton hope- and Vancouver has been, hasn't been as bad against everyone else, though. People are forgetting that part of it, you know. Well, yeah, well, exactly. You know, I mean, and all, you
1: know, if you take a look at the other divisions, it's sort of the same thing too. There's, you know, one, two, maybe three really strong teams, and the other teams are, you know, around or under 500. So it's, you know, it's it's not just the Canadian division. Yes, we have Ottawa, who's god awful, and Edmonton's really not that great, obviously, aside from Drysdale and uh, and McDavid. But, you know, I mean, the other t- Vancouver's really not that bad. We have just lit them up you know, we've had their number for, for whatever reason, Calgary, Winnipeg really aren't that bad of teams either with obviously they both have really good goaltending. And I mean, Toronto, you know, they're one of the best teams in the NHL. So I really don't think the Canadian division is that
0: weak. Yeah. I I, I, I really don't either. I mean, I, I don't think it's, I think it's kind of a middle level division. I, there, there's there's one or one of the divisions is definitely much better than, than the North Division, and then one of the divisions I was looking at them is, is definitely worse. I think they're kind of in the in the middle there uh, as far as strength. But it's so hard to tell, right? Like it's going to be a crapshoot come the playoffs. I mean, realistically, you don't have to be two teams from other divisions in the whole se- in a whole season to 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 win the cup. Uh, the schedule is so weird though, because not they played the the Leafs the first game of the season. Now haven't played them since. Playing them three games in 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 four three three out of the four games coming up, and then after that they don't play them again until April.
1: What is yeah, this? it? Is, it's it's kind of weird. I would have liked to have seen a lot more like two, three, like, you know, maybe three, three game series. Like, you know, play, play Toronto three in a row and yeah. then go and play Ottawa three in a row. That's what I would like to, you know, kind of like we see in baseball. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen, seen more of that, you know, because I think sometimes when you play the same team a couple of games in a row, you know, you start to build that rivalry and it gets a little bit more yeah, chippy sure. by the end. For sure. But uh but I mean whatever. No, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Uh to see what we can do against Toronto. Hopefully win you
0: know two out of three wouldn't be too bad. Oh, uh, that definitely and, and I just want to see how, how the team performs uh against uh against the least because the first game of the year I mean it doesn't really mean anything, honestly. I mean we we've seen terrible Habs teams uh beat the Leafs in the first game of the year, or or vice versa. You know, the first game of the year a lot of emotions, a lot of Kind of a lot comes into play that doesn't necessarily have to do with what the the day to day is going to be. Uh, and, and like I say, specifically at least because it seems like we open the season against the Leafs every every year. But I, I'm I'm looking forward. now both teams have, have are going to have like a dozen game under their belt. You know, both are going to be at the top of the division probably at that at that point. It, it, it's going to be a real test, and I, I feel like the whole country is going to be watching. You know, it's because it's going to be the, the 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 fight for the top of the Canadian division. I mean. And we, we talked about it at the beginning of the season the fact that this is a Canadian division adds a whole other aspect to this because even if you don't win the cup if you if you're the one the one who wins the Canadian division at least you have that to hold hold up against all the other teams you know
1: exactly and uh, I mean with all the games against other Canadian teams I mean t- Twitter's been pretty toxic between yeah. the fans yeah, yeah. You know, even for, the for, hey, Habs
0: Twitter has been pretty bad I mean I noticed they were they kept posting the same meme to it's such a stupid meme too i don't know if you saw this to the official vancouver canucks twitter uh it's it, i don't even know how to describe it. it basically you just lost two and then they put one of our players and there's a bunch of it, it looks like it's made by a 10 year old i'm assuming it's 10 year olds that are doing this but it's just it's it, it's so embarrassing and then and then you go into the comments and there's so much it's it's very toxic and and obviously so much of it turns into like insulting us because we're the french team and all that and it's just like doesn't need to turn into this guys come on <laughs> yeah but it was obviously going at that i mean especially now with covid nobody has anything else to do it's so not, it's definitely true it's definitely but if if you ever have an american friend telling you that oh canada is great because the canadians are so nice like the whole the whole thing about canadians being so nice just show them hockey twitter just show them hockey twitter and be like trust me we're not that nice <laughs> we've got plenty of assholes on, on our side too yeah, we're nice until it comes to hockey, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so uh, moving on, then talk about the prospects real quick. I obviously still not much to talk about when it comes to the prospect, except for Cole Caulfield, which is probably the most exciting prospect, who is not, right now number one in voting for the Hobie Baker Award. And you can actually go vote uh, for, for his, I think it's just com or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, yeah HobieBaker.com slash vote. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and you can see it's it's made its way through Twitter because now Cole Caulfield is uh is number one in the voting and pretty pretty strong uh strong lead going there too. So I think uh, Habs Twitter is doing a very good job here.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't think there's too much of a surprise there. Obviously, I mean yeah. you know we're all gonna vote for uh, for Cole Caulfield to win the Hobie Baker. Um yeah, I mean obviously he he's having an amazing season.
0: He deserves um, it too. It's not just a homer pick. Like he, he deserves to be uh, to be talked about for the Hobie Baker Award.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I would. Uh, I mean, Jack Lafontaine's having a having a pretty damn good season too. Um, at uh, at Wisconsin, uh, where does he? No, Minnesota. Um, yeah, he's putting up an amazing season. His goals against average uh, just above I mean, one.
0: Goalie? Who cares? Go to the goal the score.
1: It's the mo- most important spot on the ice the goal debatable
0: debatable.
1: <laughs> but uh, no I mean uh, would love to see it I mean he's definitely having an amazing season uh, no surprise obviously um, put a, over over a point per game I think he has uh, yeah I don't know how many points he, 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 I think he has like 24 points in 18 games so he's having an amazing season for sure um, there's also another Canadians prospect Jordan Harris it's, uh, that's up for the uh, for the Hobie Baker as well he's one of the finalists um, I don't know Either where he is in the finalist finalists. So. yeah so <laughs> but Jordan Harris having a great season as well uh and you know I I mean I think Cole Caulfield this is probably going to be his last year in college I think you could probably see him with the uh, with the Rocket maybe even the Canadians maybe with the taxi squad. I don't know if he'll play with the Canadians at some point this season, but uh, you're definitely going to see him in the uh, bleu, blanc, rouge
0: pretty soon for sure. Yeah, I, I think so too. And obviously with a guy his size and all that, I mean, we're excited to see what he can do, but we're excited to see if he can translate his game to the NHL level. I mean, if he can, to add that type of, of scoring touch to this team uh, would would be amazing. And and uh, Jordan Harris uh, only has 0.7% uh, of the of the votes right now, I, I think if it, since it's fan votes going on right now. I think obviously the Habs vote is the uh, Habs fan vote is very focused on on, on Cole Caulfield, so uh, Jordan Harris doesn't have uh, much of a chance. But it's still nice to see his name on, on that list. You
1: know? Oh, for sure, uh, definitely, and, and very well deserved too. I mean, the I mean, when he was first drafted, you know, he was a, as a guy that I think a lot of I certainly didn't really know anything about him. A lot of people didn't really know much about him. But I mean, the the progress that he has shown over the last couple of seasons is just amazing, and he has turned into a a, a really legit prospect. A guy that you know, at least in college, he's putting up some pretty solid offensive numbers. I think he can do it potentially at the NHL level. He's gonna, you know, he's probably gonna need a couple of years in Laval um, under Joël Bouchard. He's a guy that can play on both sides offensive. He's got a lot better on the defensive side, so he's gonna be a really exciting guy to watch over the next couple of seasons. All
0: right, looking forward to it. And then aside from that, there's the the Rocket cap underway. If, if I'm not mistaken, I think you had one more Twitter question about the the Rocket. Yeah, we got one more
1: Twitter question here, and that's coming from uh, from Kevin Rogers. So on uh, on Twitter at k a rogers 77. With the Rocket season coming up soon, do you think Fleury and Paling go to Laval and get some playing time? Who takes their place on the taxi squad? And then he suggested potentially Wheel and Ouellette. Um, Yeah, I mean, you would have to think that uh, that probably Paling and Fleury will be. In Laval, once the once the season gets started, because um, certainly you want them playing as much as
0: possible, uh, you know, especially I mean, well, really both of them. I mean, Paling and yeah, For sure. yeah, you you want uh, them both playing for sure. But we talked about this before. I don't need, know if you need to replace them on the on the taxi squad. I mean, the the Rocket are going to be playing in, uh, at the Bell Center anyway. It's the taxi squad's there to help teams if they need to have a quick replacement, but. Is it really necessary? Like, I don't see why. You might as well have more players playing instead of putting one on the taxi squad. They have to go through yeah. waivers to go to the AHL anyway. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, I, I mean, maybe they don't.
1: Yeah. You know, they really only need, you know, I mean, they already, they're going to have for a leak anyway there. Maybe, maybe they could call up the, a defenseman, I guess. Um, but, I mean, you know, well, that first of all is, is the captain of the Rocket, so I don't necessarily think that he'll be called up. They really don't have a whole lot of veterans on this team. Um, so actually,
0: no. So, so if they do, they need to quarantine before joining that. The the, the, the the if if a player from the AHL team gets called up, are they supposed to quarantine?
1: That's that's a good question. So maybe that's I
0: mean, what the, the the, the maybe that's
1: what is, it right? is because they are playing at the Bell Center.
0: Um so anyway. it would seem weird that they would have to quarantine, but I know yeah. they're being extra safe safe about it, and we don't want to take it for granted. We're seeing what's happening with other teams in the NHL. I mean, luckily it hasn't come north of the border yet, but uh, it's already hit a lot of teams.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's, uh, I, I guess maybe the but, First of all, for sure, Paley and Fleury will be down a little bit. I mean, you would have to think that they're going to be going down. They want to give them as much playing time as possible. Um, you know, uh, like I said, the Canadians don't exactly have, or I mean, the Rocket don't necessarily have a whole lot of scorers, really. Um, they don't have a whole lot of veterans on the team, so I don't think they necessarily want to lose well at their captain. Um, you know, guys that I think maybe you could see called up, maybe Jordan Wheel. I think that could probably make some sense. Bellzil, I think... You know, for whatever reason, Claude Jadier seems to like him. He got yeah, but you know, you're still like,
0: better off having Belzil playing. Are you not? You know, like, is Belzil yeah. really a player that.
1: He's been a leading
0: scorer for the rocket. Three, three weeks um, in the time. time. Exactly. Um,
1: yeah, maybe Jordan Wheel. I mean, Jordan Wheel, even when he was with the rocket, uh, I think last season, he didn't necessarily, he didn't really tear it up either. So no, that, I think that, he, that makes a lot of
0: sense to me. Jordan he Wheel, makes
1: a lot sure. of sense, I think. And, uh, and aside from that on defense, I mean, well, Maybe, but again, he's the captain, so I don't necessarily think you want to call him up. Two other options you could see, t- two guys that are not necessarily pros- full-on prospects are Otto Liskinen and Gustav Olofsson. Otto Liskinen played, uh, well, he's a left-handed, both of them are left-handed defensemen, but Liskinen did play quite a bit on the right side last season. So, I, you know, they might like that versatility all uh, dealt with a lot of injuries the last two or three seasons with the Rockets, So I think a list in probably makes some sense. He played some with the rocket or uh, with the Canadians last season. So, um, so yeah, a couple of options, but uh, f- definitely look for Fleury and Palin to get sent down.
0: All right. Sounds good. So as always, thanks for the question, send them away uh, whenever you want uh, at the Habs forum on Twitter. I think that does it for uh this week's episode i can smell the dinner that is cooking in my kitchen right now and i can't focus on the podcast anymore it smells absolutely fantastic so uh looking forward to those uh next few games against uh ottawa and we'll be back for another podcast uh next week uh so uh, yeah thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week